Hey everybody and welcome to the 11th episode of DCI. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I sit down with two of the co-founders of Animus Interactive, and no, it doesn't have anything to do with Assassin's Creed or Carl Jung's theory on personality. No, what they're actually doing is making an MMORTS for... Uh, PC and it is being kickstarted right now. The two gentlemen that we speak with are Frank Cephalu and Diego Roldan. Um, so we, we talk about all different kinds of things, the, the company, we talk about the Kickstarter project, and of course the game Kingdom of Knights. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to find out more about Dark Station, you can visit us at darkstation.com. There you can find our news reviews, features, and of course the podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that. We are darkstation underscore com. And if you want to subscribe, we're on iTunes and we are the Darkcast. Finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com and if you want to find out more about Kingdom of Knights or Animus Interactive then check out the links in the show notes for this page as always thank you for listening now on with the show Thank you for joining us on the Darkcast here. Uh, just if you guys could tell us who we are talking to. Sure. Uh, my name is Frank Sefu. Um, I'm one of the co-creators for Kingdom Knights and one of the founders of Animus Interactive. Uh, this is Diego Roldan. I'm one of the uh, co-creators as well. And I'm currently I'm assistant producer to the game. Okay, awesome. Um, that's... That's good to know. Uh, so if you guys could talk a little bit more about what you actually do um, with the game and at uh, Animus Interactive uh, to kind of give us uh, an idea of what you're doing each day with this game, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, so Animus Interactive is a technology company that we opened up uh, in December of last year with the intentions of entering the technology market specifically for video games. Um, so, you know, our daily functions for... Diego and myself are pretty similar in the fact that we basically oversee uh, the execution of the creation of content, models, uh, game programming, and this overall quality assurance on an overall level, including PR uh, and community management. So, you know, we're a small team, but, you know, so me and Diego need to put a lot of work into it ourselves to make sure things go the way they should go. <laughs> And considering this is our first premiere launch uh, as a game developer and self-producing, you know, we want to make sure that when eyes do look at this, they look at a pretty uh, polished product at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, you guys are entering into the, the technology market, uh, focusing on video games. Uh, is there another side to the company, then, that isn't focused on video games? Uh I mean, currently our main focus is definitely going to be uh, a video game uh, industry. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, that's pretty much uh, our focus right now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, originally when we got into this, it was split between uh, trying to figure out um, 
not only video game technology, but we're thinking about doing server clustering for massive multiplayer games. Right. And, that, and that sort of fell off the grid once we wanted to just concentrate our focus on Kingdom Knights. And then at the same time, once we finish Kingdom Knights, we will have the server technology that we wanted to release, uh, develop for our game specifically. Okay. So we could reproduce it later. Right now, the only player in the market for that is NVIDIA, so. Okay. Cool. Where, where'd you guys get the name um, Animus from? Uh, I mean, I, you know, obviously the first thing gamers are going to think about when they hear Animus is going to be Assassin's Creed. Um, where, where are you guys hoping to capture with that name, or, or where was where was its foundation for you? Um, yeah, I had. We're not really big Assassin's Creed fans, so we don't know many of the characters or <laughs> structure names. But the name Animus came from Latin. Uh, it just means light. Um, so, you know, we're the light in the industry. That's where we came from. Um, that's where the idea of the name came from. You know, we wanted to be the light from New York where there's not many game development companies, but we want to show that even a small shop could shine here on the East Coast. Okay. Cool. What, what made you guys come, like, uh, that, uh, the whole light from New York? Is it just, uh, just where you guys were based that you wanted to... To kind of start something there, or was it was it you or was it what you were going for to uh, to kind of have that you know kind of little fish in a big pond? You know, we're we're out here, we're doing it our way. A very New York thing. Yeah, I mean, we we live here, so it's our home. So that's the biggest thing, and all families are here. And you know, more than that, you know, it definitely doesn't make it easier being in New York, uh, being the only small fish. In- Pond, like in Brooklyn, for instance, that's where we're located centrally, and we have an office in uh, Queens. You know, um, we're basically the only guys out here. There's not many development shops like ours out here, and uh, it doesn't make it easier because you do have your connections in LA that all help each other a little bit and pat each other on the back. You know, we were at DMW this past December, made connections with some of the some people in the industry. You know, we had some interest from Nexon in the game. And, Gameville for uh, a possible mobile push, but you know we're deciding against that. But you know, it, being in New York is just the fact that you know it's our home. So we wanted to, and we know that there's not many game development companies here. So we wanted to show what we can do. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> um, now, do you guys have any uh, previous experience in the industry? Is this? Um, is this kind of your first foray into game making, or is uh, have you guys worked on anything else? Uh, I've been immersed in the game industry before, not per se producing or production. Okay. Uh, I used to work with a company called Major League Gaming. They're also based down in New York City. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the passion to create Kingdom Nights basically came from the fact that there, there really wasn't any type of game that I liked in this sort of genre everything right now is something you have to pay for physically and there's a lot of way you can win in, in terms of free to play, you know, and I feel like there's a gap there and I think people really want something they can truly enjoy. And if they want to chip money in, they should be chipping money in for the fact that they want to do some cosmetic work on their town or city, not because they have to finish a building because otherwise you're going to be waiting a week for it to be done. Mm-hmm. 
how long have you been into games? Uh, I mean, you mentioned that you know you didn't find you weren't really finding anything that you really liked in in. Uh, and, and I'm guessing when you said kind of that market, like kind of the RTS thing, which is kind of what Kingdoms of uh, of Knights is going for. Um, what do you, what do you normally play? You know, do you spend a lot of time doing it uh, now that you're actually making one? Yeah, I mean, I play a lot of these games before in this similar genre genre from uh, Age of Empires, Stronghold Kingdoms, you know, Mountain Blade, Chivalry. So, I mean, I'm very aware of what's in the space, and, you know, I play them all, and I always feel there's something a little bit more lacking. And, you know, sometimes some of the experiences are very impersonal. So, you know, when we took on the mission to create this Kingdom of Night, game we decided we wanted to get rid of all those impersonal attributes about it and try to make something somewhat different and unique i mean these other games will have their appeal still but you know we hope we bring some unique attributes to the industry that you know will attract gamers to it all right cool um so how many guys do you actually have at uh animus Right now we have uh, 12 guys all dedicated to the game. It's a small team, but mm-hmm. you know um, that's why we're trying to get the Kickstarter now. Um, we would like to double that to 24 to 30 people. Um, right now it's all self-funded by us, so you know it's not like the game's in danger of just falling off the cliff. It's just that we do need the extra hands and the extra help to wrap it up. You know we're midway through, and you know uh, we have about. I would say four artists, you know, three modelers, and you know, we have PR, our composer. You know, we did, these people definitely need help um, to help us wrap this thing up. Sure, sure. Now, now, one of the things um, I think is kind of hard for a lot of gamers to kind of comprehend how a lot of things happen behind the scenes with video game development. You said you're about halfway through. What, what does that really mean in terms of the content that's that's built for the game? In terms of polish? In terms of bugs? Like what? Sure. Sure. What does that look like for the for the game when you say it's halfway through? Yeah, I mean, um, artwork wise, we're 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 need help there. That's where we're trying to double the team effort size. Hmm. Code wise, we're forty percent the way there. You know, we're working on bugs, but the code base is pretty much in a place where it's playable. It just needs to be optimized. Hmm. But you know, it it doesn't look appealing. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of things we want to polish up about it before we show real in-game play footage, before we share ourselves in the clip, before we even get out of the gate. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, so, Kingdom of Knights, um, it, it's it, it's an MMORTS. Uh, the title itself is is really kind of simple, and it really kind of gets to the point of, of what you guys are chasing. Um, what do you think is going to set this apart i mean first explain how you guys are working an mmorts which it's is not unheard of but it's super rare um you know how are you guys working that out what's what's the main driving force behind this right so i mean um if we're going to go into gameplay uh of what you're just going to expect if they were to enter the kingdom of knights you know you're presented with the challenge of trying to build a a city with you know, a defensive structure, which is your castle around it, trying to defend it from other players or trying to create alliances. So, you know, if you do get attacked, your neighbors will be notified so they can jump in and save you if you're not online. Um, so, I mean, your city's in a persistent state. I mean, when you log off, it's still there, generating revenue, generating uh, resources. 
Um, the way we're trying to change this from the other players in the space, let's as I could put a name out there, Stronghold Kingdoms or Unmobile, Clash of Clans. You know, the, these games are in the similar space as far as free to play, but you know, it takes time for you to even build out a full city. And the idea behind Kingdom of Knights is that you know we want this to be fast paced. We don't want this to be something where you're dragging on for months to try to finish something. We want it to be that within your first week you're fighting or defending yourself or attacking somebody. There's definitely pressure on you. Um, when you start the game, you only get two days to try to fully uh, set yourself up in a way where you're sort of defendable. Um, you know, all the building times are very low. I mean, maybe major structures like upgrading your town hall may take 10 minutes at the most if it's like a significant upgrade. But we try to make this uh, uh, very low entry as far as trying to complete what you have as a city. Now, are, now, when you get to city building, are you talking about like, a, like, are we physically, you know, planning out where the walls are going to go, right. um, what's going on inside the city? Um, are there, like, is there basically anything? It doesn't sound like very, like, especially amongst the free-to-play stuff. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of comparable stuff among it. Are you looking for a more, more kind of? I think when I think RTS, I immediately go to stuff like StarCraft or Age of Empires. Um, it, how is that? Right. How does that work with within the MMO space? Do you have yours and then you go to attack, or what happens there? Right. I mean, it's definitely going to be similar to the field to Age of Empires, where you know, uh, not as swift. Where Age of Empires, you know, you're in a 45-minute match. Um, you know, the focus here is sort of on a longer term goal of making sure you have a comparable city that's going to survive. Um, the strategy comes in the fact that, you know, at any given minute you could be attacked. You need to keep constantly keep monitoring your economy. Uh, and when you do fight, you do fight like you do in Asia Empires of Starcraft. You send troops in, um, you attack structures, you do get the up where you want walls and how those walls are positioned. You get the up where your towers go to defend those walls. You can decide where your troops are staying um, and defending. Um, so there's a lot of things that are similar to those other games. It's just different the fact that your goal is not just to try to wipe out everyone immediately, but more so trying to uh, maintain your kingdom's integrity. Is defense... I mean, obviously, you can't be online all the time. Um, how does the defense portion of that work? I mean, uh, yes. from an offensive standpoint, you're kind of uh, maneuvering your guys around. For defense, um, is it more kind of just tower defensey, or do you actually get a chance to, if you're online, to to do what you have to do on your side with with sending out troops and the like? So your troops are there no matter what. Um, they're in your town they're hanging out when you log off they're still there so if you were to be attacked in the middle of the night and you have your troops deployed in town alongside your towers and your walls they will fight the opposing troops so they're there to defend you while you're offline now um you want to send you a notification that you're being attacked so that way you have some way to get online if you could or you know tell the neighbor yours hey you know <laughs> I'm at Six Flags right now. Can you stop them from destroying everything I have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we try to make it so that you can always be attacked. And that's the thing, you know. And you could definitely put as many troops as you want on the ground 
defend your city. So um, that way you don't, you never feel they have to rely just on your towers. Okay. Um, how many? Uh... Okay, so hold on. Give me a second. Let me. Because it's a, it's a real. It's a real interesting concept, the the whole, especially having to deal with the whole, like, kind of offline, online dynamic. Um, so you can, how easy, okay, so, okay, I'll start it this way. Um, I'm playing, I go offline, I come back online, like, 12 hours later, I see that I got something in the middle of the night that said I was being attacked. Um, how easy is it to, you know, if I'm wiped out, how easy is it to jump right back in, um, and not feel like yeah. I'd lost like all that time or, or what, you know, what, what's to keep me coming back instead of being disappointed. Right. Exactly. So that's where certain structures are permanently destroyed, like towers and walls. Those are things you're going to have to be rebuilt. You do get a protection aura, which allows you to not be attacked for a certain amount of period of time until the game. Okay. So you're not going to, you're not going to get ganged up. As, no, far as, and as far as, as far as like you know, multiple attacks at once. Yeah, if someone attacks you and wipes out your town, um, then no one else can just come in and constantly just keep ganking you. Um, okay. We stop that, and on top of that, <clears throat> certain structures like the town hall and barracks and buildings like this, um, they get destroyed, but they're repairable. So meaning they stay in an offline state till you come back online, build a new peasant. Uh, send them off to start repairing the buildings. So, you know, we don't we don't want people to start crying and never come back. Um, you know, but they're definitely going to feel pressure to make sure they don't want to get attacked again because you know you do lose half of your resources when you do get attacked and lose. Um, so it's beneficial to make sure that if you are going to be attacked. Um, just to make sure you have enough resources around to make sure you repair your city. Now, now, when you are attacked, when your city goes down, are they, um, as the attacker, am I getting something? Am I getting a portion of your resources? Yeah, you um, get 50%. Is, okay. Yeah, you get 50%, and that's your reward. And so if you can manage a very large city that has been mining forever, you could definitely coordinate attack with allies. So you could go in there with your friends and coordinate attack. Uh, you could decide where you attack from. So... You know, if you think of a square cube, um, you know, you could place your, and in the middle is the castle. You could tell your allies to come from the west, you come from the south, one comes from the north. You could attack different weak points. So, you know, it definitely encourages uh, groups to try to coordinate attacks on very large cities. Okay. Now, you mentioned earlier about uh, protecting, like, the integrity of your citizens or of your city, of your castles, how does kind of the resource management of it work? Are your resources your um, your citizens, or are you going to be, uh, is it, you know, real-time strategy in that you're going to be harvesting resources, or is it more like a real-time tactical game where you don't have to worry about building, you know, wood factories or, or whatever? <laughs> no, yeah, unfortunately, you're going to have to mine and stuff. Or... Okay. Gather it. Um, we definitely like those aspects from older games, like sure. Warcraft, for instance, where you send your peons off and they start uh, harvesting wood. You know, it's definitely something we want, but 
you know, those resources won't just disappear like in those games. It's just mm. persistence is persistent. We don't want you suddenly to have no wood in your whole, in your whole vicinity. So yeah, that would be bad. Mine ran dry, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> all right, I'm done." Not <laughs> with this game, we gotta go. <laughs> you know that that's definitely not what we want. So, yeah, you definitely are gonna need to have uh, peasants uh, mine and gather resources. The, the resources won't be depleted, but the more people you throw at it, the more resources you will get. So, okay. Um, so, is there a an ally system where you can kind of join up and grow your kingdom to kind of have Maybe a, a kingdom with city-states and stuff within it, or is that... It's possible for you to go and you're talking about grabbing land that's next to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be possible later on in the game where you could... Um, it's something that, unfortunately, that will have to be purchased. That's the only thing that won't be free. Okay. You have to, if you want to get additional plots that are near you, yeah, you could purchase it and you start expanding a little city-state sort of thing where you're main castle starts defending your cities around it and you know we even got to the fact that we thought about if one of your cities got attacked um maybe you could have a system set up where reinforcements would be sent to the city um to defend it you know if you're offline for instance um would would having an additional city also help with like you know resource generation would it give you a, a boon to that as well yeah i mean you have one big pool so uh, if you start a new city, whatever resources you started with in your main city will be lended to that new city. So you could immediately start building it out. You don't have to start from scratch. You definitely have an advantage there if you have a large city. All right. Um, so how does how the world kind of work uh, geographically? Are there different instances of the game? Is there one gigantic plane that everyone is kind of playing on? How is How is that going to yeah, no, we don't have a giant world where you can just, like, <laughs> a soldier off continuously running in one direction because you might hit something. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, that would be unmanageable because the amount of troops that we're having involved in the game will just not be sustainable for, A, your graphics card, and B, our uh, servers. So... Uh, you do have your own instance on your. I mean, you you could you could coin a new phrase. Can it run Kingdoms of Knights? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, the new cry engine. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Send someone off. You'll find them. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, and the reason why we do this is so that later on, let's say you do do team fights, mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot more manageable. You'll have to have, you're going to be able to have a lot more troops in the ground if. The only focus for your computer is that one scene in the game. And, uh, yeah, the way it's structured right now is we're going to have, we might set up regions for different areas. Right now it looks like we're going to have one for North America and Europe, one for Asia, one for South America. Actually, it seems to be one of our biggest bases right now is from Brazil, which is bewildering us, but uh, <laughs> interesting enough. <laughs> cool. They, they like their resource management in Brazil. What, what can we say? Yeah, they're going to be disappointed when I tell them we can't run one way. Find someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what made you guys decide to go uh, medieval? Why, why, why knights? Why not like, uh, you know, kingdoms of uh, future soldier dudes? Yeah. Uh, I mean, knights, medieval... I mean, it's all about me. I, I love that stuff. So, okay, so it's personal. All right. <laughs> yeah, definitely personal. Um, 
you know, uh, I make my own mead, you know, so I'm a brewer and, you know, very into metallurgy. So, you know, definitely a topic I'm interested in. And, you know, I love playing with creative writing. So nothing better than to create a vision that you can physically see. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, is there a history to this world that you guys are building? Is there, like, what's outside of simple like back and forth conquest what what is is there an overall kind of thing that they're that you're working for that each of the knights would be working for yeah so i mean there's definitely a history it's not just that you're just plopped in build up and destroy each other um there's definitely a history of how how the game knights became to be you know and we try to make a backstory for another game that we have in mind later down the road so this is gonna be a prequel to this um oh, okay yeah, so basically the backstory to to it is that, you know, there was this great kingdom called Avalon and you know, this this kingdom was around for thousands of years and it was peaceful, it was very large, it had very many lords reporting to one king. So a ton of wealth. I mean, if you were to think of Rome, um, this is a medieval version of Rome and the fact that Rome had this ultimate power and it had a lot of dominance over the land and you know, but it all fell down fairly quickly. Um, like a domino effect and that's what happened to Avalon in the end and you know it fell apart and now basically you have all these lords and knights trying to fight for their own plot and and what was used to be Avalon so everyone's trying to fight and try to claim their own dominion and their own little space so later on we're probably create a prequel where you know it starts off with the kingdom of Avalon being so great and everything and it's downfall, so that's going to probably be later on, but <laughs> if this one works out. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, What made you guys kind of go with, with Avalon, with its whole, I mean, Avalon itself has a kind of a history with Arthurian legend and that kind of thing. Um, did you want to try and capture that with the name and kind of elicit that kind of response? It wasn't um, intended to, well, the idea of Avalon itself definitely lends itself on um, Arthurian legend and the fact that, you know, it was a great kingdom. It was just, it was peaceful. Um, so it does some, uh, lend off a little bit to that, but we didn't want to remind people too much about the King Arthur legends. It's just the idea of having this great kingdom. So we wanted to spark the image of Avalon in their mind. They have, when people do know about the Arthurian legends, they have a uh, point and time and place to reference to. Okay. Awesome. So I had a question as Brian was asking his question, and I've now forgotten it. Ha, so I've derailed your train, sir. Sorry you, about that. You have. I, I had it and, until you stopped talking, Frank. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then my, my brain just went blank. Um, hopefully I'll get back to it at some point. Um, I, you're, I, looking over your Kickstarter page. We'll probably get into Kickstarter here soon, real real quick soon. But um, you're the one thing that really kind of sets you guys apart, as far as what I'm looking at, is the art. Um, this it, this, especially for what you're what you're talking about, this looks super super detailed and super high quality. Um, it, it, what's tell me how you guys came upon that that art direction for doing this, and and kind of what the the kind of what you're what you're pushing for. Yeah, um, definitely. Um... When we started this off, we wanted to do, create something that was visually beautiful. You know, um, when you think of a kingdom that has fell that was so great, like Avalon, what images come to mind is grandeur, magnificence, you know, uh, definitely luxury. Uh, so we wanted all our imagery and our 
graphics to be rich. Um, and, you know, it's definitely an image we convey to our artists. And, you know, each of these images that you see created on Kickstarter, for instance, um, were carefully planned out. You know, we gave detailed explanations of what we wanted to see as the outcome for each of these pictures. You know, we give them references to real life photos and uh, temperatures and warmth, you know, so we definitely controlled exactly what, what we wanted to get out of those pictures. Um, you know, we want this to seem like it's a triple A game, um, even though we're an indie shop. So, you know, we're making sure everything we're trying to do is to a T seemingly good <laughs> for some, such a small shop, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with you guys going, going free to play too, especially with this, this level of, uh, of of kind of artistry with it, it i think it's it, it it it's really kind of telling of where you guys want to take it um where how are you guys going to structure the the pay part of the free to play um you said one you said you already said that you you guys you know that if you were seeking to expand um your kingdom into other territories that that would be a a pay thing um what else what else are you guys going to be offering um as far as uh, as paying for stuff during the uh, the the playing so Basically, uh, we want to introduce different things that users will need to pay for that doesn't obstruct the main goal of the game, which is to build your city uh, and conquest. So some of these other things are cosmetic things you could purchase, um, like diners for your city, a nice new road that maybe has some lights on it, um, stuff like this. Um, the other things that we want to introduce to the game is revolving around economy. So, you know, we have an economist that we want to get involved to help us manage the overall gold price in the game and, you know, be involved in um, trade and allowing you to purchase buildings such as taverns or, or trading posts where, you know, we don't want that to be an impersonal experience. So basically, let's say you decided you want to start serving beer in your city. Well, that's something you could pay for. You could purchase a tavern and, you know, if people enjoy the game. We hope they do purchase these things because, you know, it helps us out at the end. And, you know, so you purchase this tavern and you decide it needs to go right next to the church because maybe after that they want to go excommunicate their sins. Uh, hey, so. <laughs> back and forth. It's been done for decades or rather centuries. Absolutely. You know, holy wine and then go back. Um, yeah, you know. It's so, a revolving door, they call it. Revolving door. <laughs> so after you create this tavern, you know, um, other players from other cities can come and visit you. Um the way they can visit you is by purchasing an avatar, something else they will have to purchase. And basically, you enter the city in the first person. Um, and this is where our game gets a little complicated. And that's why we need Kickstarter for this part, is the fact that when you enter the city, we need to load a whole bunch of high-definition levels, you know, because the default viewport is top-down, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so when you enter the city with the avatar of your choice, you know, you, you create a character that you fits your personality, and you're able to enter the city. So you're able to visit certain things in certain places to purchase certain items. So if you were to visit a tavern, uh, you could purchase a beer, and you as the owner could create different beers with different names, you know, and they have different prices. So who knows, maybe your city becomes really popular for having the best slagger. And suddenly you have like 25, 30 people just walking around your town hanging out, you know, and we want this to be social too, you know, so we try to introduce some social aspects such as that. And, Let's say you want to buy um, wood from a city. You would visit as an avatar, go into that trading post, and buy it physically. That way it's more of not a personal feeling to it, but more of a 
uh, personal gain. You feel more involved when you have to physically go to someone's city and go to their trading posts. So mm-hmm. nothing, nothing like a Blizzard auction house system. You want it to actually be player to player. Yeah, I want you to go there, and the money that you purchase in the tavern goes to you as the owner. The money you put in the trading post goes to the city owner as well. We also, is that something? Is that something that you'd have to? Not you would obviously the person wanting that stuff would have to be there. Is that something that you could set up? Like, hey, I want my wood guys to be able to sell this much while I'm away. So yeah, you, know, you just kind of make it available. It'll be an NPC system. So when you go in, you're okay. not talking to you. It's talking to some random trade marker. Uh, <laughs> so one of the other things we wanted to introduce also is rental systems. So imagine. There's a city that has been around longer, as long as the game has been up. And, you know, they generate a lot of money within the city. They have a lot of visitors. Um, and a space opens up. We want you to be able to rent that city from the city owner. And, you know, you give them month-to-month rent, like you would in real life. And whatever profits you make from the property, you keep. So we want to introduce different things that make the game So, like, really- opening, like, so what you're, like, opening, like, a, a shop there and selling wares there? Exactly. You okay. Okay. Open up your own tavern. You know, the city owner can make it known to the his region that there's rentable spaces available in his city, and people can decide whether they want to bargain for the price. He can set the price per month. So we won't make it interesting because you know some people don't want to just go in and kill. You know, some people like building up their city. They like just looking at it. They don't want to do anything with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we definitely want to accommodate that. And, you know, we think it'd be interesting for you to be able to visit another city and see it from a first-person perspective. And we think that's really unique in this space. Not many people do that. But, you know, I, for one, would love to be able to visit someone else's city if it looks really nice from top down. <laughs> <laughs> so so when you're visiting um, other people's cities, you said it's going to be uh, from first-person. Um, How does that kind of kind of work? Who is your avatar? Are you the, the king of your... You uh, city, or does it? You just pick whoever you want to send as your avatar, or how does that work? Yeah, if you can imagine games like Neverwinter or World of Warcraft, will give you some avatars which you can customize to look and feel you like, mm-hmm. or some of the Second Life where you could clothe them any way you want. Since you know you're paying for the avatar, we're not going to charge you any more than that. You can customize them any way you wish with the items we give you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. Okay, now I have a hypothetical scenario for you because I think of weird <laughs> stuff like this. You're thinking about somebody attacking you while you're there? I, no, what, well, <laughs> I wasn't, but now I am. Thank you. <laughs> um, actually, no, I was kind of thinking, okay, so um, is there a way – it's two-parter. First, is there kind of an alliance system or almost like a guild system where you could join up with other like-minded individuals for, for kind of protection and reinforcements and that kind of thing? Yes, definitely. Alliance is going to be huge. If you're part of Alliance and you get attacked, they will be notified alongside yourself. They will be notified by email and by if they want notifications on, of course. Um, and if they are online in game, then there'll be message within game and a PM saying, you know, you're when your allies are being attacked, and you can jump in and help them out. Okay. Second part of the question, since you answered the first part. With, with the, the way that this question was going to go. Um, if you have somebody who's not 
super into the cons the the combat aspect of that but is very much it, it loves that social part gotcha. with the renting the property and doing that kind of stuff with the alliance system would it be possible for someone to kind of just have like a city that's open for commerce or business you could i mean if you're talking about something that wants to be a baron and having a city that's just open for commerce yeah they could um you know, they're definitely going to be open for attack, though, so they better defend themselves because if some of the cities are seized, they're not defending themselves, but have all this gold pouring in. It's definitely a nice target for pirates or <laughs> other players that are just looking to scavenge. So, yeah, but you could be non-adversary, but um, it's still going to be P to, P to v, uh, PvP, so, you know, you can't just select that. You don't want to be you can't, fighting. You can't just be... Yeah, okay, you can't just be completely peaceful but i mean you know if you if you're one of those people that you have that strong alliance base around you where nobody would want to attack you because it is a kind of an because they'd be pissing off everyone else exactly because <laughs> big tony who owns the kingdom down the street it's like he's got my back you don't want to mess with big tony don't mess with me yeah you know i'm asking a merchant that is bankrolling the kingdom around him and his guild it, Exactly, exactly. Like, hey, wait, they burned down the pizzeria. Let's get this guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, wait, the wait, church question. is right next door. We'll pray about it afterwards. We're can, good. It's can like, you build pizzerias in your cities? No, pizza's not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that should be a special staple of Ab Avalon, and even though it may not have existed in, like, medieval time, it, it should exist here, I think. If it does, we'll <laughs> <laughs> John and Brian's Pizza. <laughs> there we go yeah do it yeah sir john you know yeah exactly yeah we can do this <laughs> tomato we bread you know we just call it we'll, we'll figure out something medieval for it it'll be great <laughs> use some old english uh these and thous in there and you can make it sound just right there you go. <laughs> um, so uh, with the kickstarter campaign uh obviously one of the the most interesting things to uh, you know, gamers and backers is the stuff that they're going to get from backing the project. What what are backers going to get if they back uh, Kingdoms of Knights? Yeah, we have different things that we give away. First off, whatever you donate, you get that. Um, so as in-game currency. So we never... Oh, make okay. Sure. I was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we want to make sure you don't lose the money you spend because it's sort of your down payment on the game. It, you know, some other Kickstarters, they just keep it, and, you know, we don't want to do that. So, you know, it's going to be, the idea is you purchase the game, and it's sort of like you put money down, so we're going to give it back to you, you know, and, you know, it's not ours to keep, it's you lent it to us to allow us to build this vision for you, and you get it back. So everyone gets money back, and so, um, after, I think, a certain price point, I think after $35 or 50 I think we start increasing that by 10%, so you get back more. On top of that, um, we give away different items like T-shirts and uh, posters for I think it's above a hundred dollars, and that's just due to the fact that you know on top of the money that Kickstarter is taking away from us and Amazon, you know, and the shipping that we're adding on, you know, and organization, we don't like having too many physical items being sent away, <laughs> um, especially for a small team like ours. We only like spending weeks trying to figure out where these posters are going. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you got you got you got to build the game you can't be handling this poster thing i got you exactly but we do give unique things like you know you will have a unique flag and banner set that's unique to yourself um and your city that someone were to come by they know that 
you were there from the beginning. Um, you will have a special name tag. So if you talk and chat, people will realize, wow, this guy, he was there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you'll have a badge for the forum. So we're trying to hope that the people that donate for the game um, are donating their way to have a place at the beginning of this whole journey. And, you know, we definitely give them access to the beta, the private beta that's going to be happening. Um, if you donate above a certain point, like $1,000, you know, the high end, uh, we'll make you an NPC. If you donate $2,000, we'll make you into a hero. So we try to make some of these rewards interesting. Also above 100 I think it's above, I don't know, $200. Yeah, after $200, you get to um, just, oh, $500. If you donate $500 or more, you get to sit in a chat room with us while we talk about our game. So we have a Skype chat that our whole team sits in, and you can be a part of that, and you can throw your ideas at us, and maybe they get implemented, maybe they don't. Uh, so, yeah, that's our reward system. And the end, we want you to lose anything, you'll get everything back. Cool. That, that does sound cool. So you're actually treating it like you're the, the, the money that you put into Kickstarter, like you, the game was already out, and you were simply purchasing that. Exactly. That stuff in the game. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, we don't. You know, you did you did us a favor. We're gonna do you a favor. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you talked a little bit about um, you know, bringing on more artists and kind of, uh, enlarging the uh, the team size to to help uh, make the game just more polished. Um, and, and that's part of what the Kickstarter backing is going towards is, are there any other aspects that uh, backers are kind of help funding? Um, yeah. If we reach certain stretch goals, we definitely could introduce things that we want to put into the game. Okay. If you could talk about uh, some of those stretch goals, that'd be great. Sure. So we'll start with the highest one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, we'll, then we'll work our way down. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Always start at the highest one. So, I mean, if we were able to raise $500,000, which is very uh, not conceivable, but if we do, that's awesome. Um, we're able to raise that amount of money we want you to do as heroes that I mentioned before. What a hero is in the game is, let's say you're being attacked and uh, you have all your troops on the field. Think of Dota or Heroes of New Earth where, or League of Legends even, where you have heroes uh, that you could purchase. and Well, purchase or there are free ones as well. Okay. And what these heroes do is when you, let's say, attack is happening in your city, you can say, I want to play as a hero. So a hero will spawn in the battlefield, and this battlefield becomes a first-person shooter perspective, where now you're physically on the field, um, some of the chivalry. So you're fighting alongside your troops, but you have special abilities, and it's going to be sort of fighting style like in Dynasty Warriors, if you can, if you played that before, where... You know, you could massively kill mass amount of troops as a hero. So you're very dangerous in the battlefield. So you could definitely turn the fight, definitely in your favor. Um, and then you can have a, epic battles against other heroes if the enemies are using them. You know, when we give you a cool entrance, we go into the battlefield, a nice shine of light, and pan screen to you, saying, you know, he just entered the field. <laughs> so. We want to make it cool, and I think that's something that a lot of games are not doing right now. You know, sometimes you like commanding troops, but sometimes you want to get in there and show them who's business. <laughs> sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, especially when they're 
if they're coming in right around the time when you're you know you're getting ready to go rest or whatever. He was like, listen, <laughs> I'm I'm done with you guys. All right, they destroyed one too many archers. Yeah, yeah we're done. <laughs> this is have gone on for too long. Um, the next one we want to do is the uh, three hundred thousand dollar goal, which is a battle lobby. Sim- this is where it goes back to you, Brian, which you asked me before. Is it going to be like Asia Empires Starcraft? Um, this is that. So a battle okay. lobby will allow you to browse servers or, or browse lobbies rather, and you can see any games that are available that people are creating. Um, and you join a five v five, a four v four, a three v three, and it's exactly that. You start off with a set amount of resources that you decide at the beginning for everyone, and you just fight it out. Um, and the time limits and the time built, the build times are a lot lower because we're trying to it's gonna be more native to that RTS feel. Um, and that's just to get the fighting area system. Maybe you don't want to risk all your troops in your city. Maybe you just want to fight, but you don't want to ruin what you have. So we want you to have the outlet and be able to just have fun with it. And test out new strategies, maybe. Maybe you figure something out in the battle lobby that you could reproduce at home. And uh, this definitely gives you the option. There's also a gamble mode we're going to choose to that, where basically gamble mode is you are using the resources of your city. Each player starts a game using the resources of the city. You fight it out. And the winners get half of what the uh, uh, losers spent. And, oh. and the losers just lose it all. So... Lost, lose everything they spent. So it's uh, okay. so it's a gamble mode, and, and you know, maybe some players are like that. You know, maybe it sounds like there might be some, you know, pub stomping maybe. But <laughs> so, so would the winner get half of what the loser spent and all of what they spent? Is right. that okay? They get everything back they spent and half what the loser spent. Gotcha. Cool. So if you're playing a four v four, imagine each of you getting half the entire thing what they spent on their side. Plus, not losing anything that you did—that's that's fantastic. I can yeah. see where the the gamble part of that is. Right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, the two hundred grand thing was dynamic real economies. It's the taverns and the first person and the avatars that we talked about. Uh, that's definitely something we would like to be able to create for these users. It's definitely an interesting aspect. And then we start going down one hundred fifty. Grand, 100 grand, and that's all just for AAA modeling. You know, models are very expensive. They take a lot of time. They take two to three weeks just to create a model, and then when you get it rigged. So, you know, we're definitely going to need multiple of these individuals to help us out. Um, and then everything below that, 50 grand, 30 grand, is basically us slightly uh, increasing our team size by probably half, you know, so 50% more. and Basically, just getting us to alpha and beta quicker, and just giving the core of the game, which we talked about in the beginning, which is the whole siege and conquest idea. Very cool. Now, for for everybody interested, if this goes south, will we still see Kingdom of Knights? Yes, it's still going to be there. We're not dying. <laughs> okay. Um, it's not going to have the beauty of a tavern, but, you know, you're still going to be a fight it out. Um, and maybe if we could raise money and funds in-game, um, maybe we could build all these other aspects that we want for it. Okay. Okay, so, so continue to kind of, like, blow it out after, once it once it gets out and once you guys start actually pulling in stuff. 
Yeah, actually, we just put our Steam concept up today for Steam Greenlight. Not mm-hmm. Greenlight itself, oh, okay. but the concept area, and it's in the top popular list right now. So, oh, very cool. We're trying to build press. You know, the president of MLG, Mike Sepso, and one of the announced there, his pocket, endorsed us the other day. Um, point-hour Kickstarter. You know, it's very hard to get uh, people pointed to these things, and you know, we're trying our best. So, oh, Absolutely. You want as many eyes on this stuff as you can. Yeah, exactly. for sure, and you know, hopefully, we'll be able to we'll be able to help with that too, and, and, and getting our our listeners and getting your guys' word out there. Perfect. I mean, that's all we hope for. We just want to deliver a game that we're making something we want to play. So it's not the idea is not to make money at the end. You know, the idea is first fun, and fun will generate money for us, and people enjoy the game enough because they'll want to stay stay in the game and be part of it. Sure. Yeah, certainly. If they see you, if they see your passion coming through, then, then there's you know, that's that's only going to lead to good things. Right. Well, Brian, I think it's time for the end game. I think it is, too. Uh, we call it the end game. Um, I like to end things with a, a short questionnaire kind of uh, inspired by uh, Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. Um, it took us a while to get to the name end game, um, but, uh, you know, we're kinda, we kind of like it. So uh, it, it's a little uh, more gaming-oriented as far as uh, gaming experiences and and then as we go down the list, it, it kind of gets a lot darker. Um, so, <laughs> um, first question: um, Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Mm, that one's hard. <laughs> it, it is, and unfortunately, they don't get any easier. They're all. I, I originally called this the lightning round, and you can immediately see why that wasn't a, a bad name. So, I guess my favorite protagonist in a video game, Snake. <laughs> okay. Salt Snake, okay. Yeah. Abs- hey, that, that, you're actually the first one to say that, and I salute you, sir. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah, like, gonna... Solid yeah. Snake, Naked Snake, is there a particular snake that you are fond of? Solid Snake. Okay. I mean, badass. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. Um, I'm going to flip the coin on you. Um, who is your favorite antagonist? Your favorite bad guy? My favorite bad guy? Moro. <laughs> and Shao Kahn. We're talking Mortal Kombat here. Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Shao Kahn is pretty badass. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you th- What do you think is, is, is your kind of least favorite, like, overused aspect or theme from games? We also like to throw the word trope out there. The most overused concept. Yeah, it's just something guess, that you just you wish would just go away. Well, I'm getting sort of tired of the whole Call of Duty, uh, <laughs> Medal of Honor sort of gameplay where you just bomb the hell out of the team and suddenly turn the tide in five seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sort of miss the days of Counter Strike and uh, 1.6 and having to physically have a ability to aim that Desert Eagle and get that headshot and just run around the map or scout it out, you know? Um, so I definitely missed that in FPSs. Um, what else? I think, you know, the other thing is why we're making this game. I'm tired of these free-to-play games where I'm trying to build up a city and I need a, I can knit a, I can knit a sweater in the time it takes me to finish it. <laughs> that's, that's actually, that's actually going to lead into the next question. What, what's your least favorite kind of, I, I want to say almost assumption that people make about free to play games that you think, um, kingdom of Knights can change. 
Uh, I think people are going in expecting to build this great kingdom within a day, and they can't in these other games. And when they come here, they <laughs> they get they're they're going to be able to so get just, that. So itch really, out kind of the, the 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 time you you want the time they spend in there to be to be more meaningful than it is in in some of the other like you know plunk down plunk down plunk down wait 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 games. Absolutely. Some of those okay. games also are turn-based. Like you have 20, 20 moves you can do, and then you have to wait for they recharge. I think it's the most annoying thing in the game. <laughs> you can always buy more. Yeah, forget those people. Absolutely, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's really, real easy to to click on those gold bars. <laughs> um, if you could attempt any other profession, anything else, uh, is there anything you'd like to try? I think I think we're gonna stick to games for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, absolutely. And this is not even if it goes bad, but if you ever get the chance to try anything else. Like, you know, when you're a kid you want to be an astronaut. If there was anything else you could you could get out there and just do. Or you said you, you made your own mead. You know, doing that professionally. Or just <laughs> drinking it professionally. Let alone making it, just drink drink it professionally. He just goes around the world and drinks and, and films it. I think those are called alcoholics, but I mean <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, blacksmithing looks pretty cool. Um, At least relaxing. I think I wouldn't mind giving a hand at that. Speed in the middle of the woods and having my meat in my middle. (laughs) So just go completely Viking on it. That's that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I I, I can support that. (laughs) Other end of the spectrum. Right now, we're all technology. The other end is screw it all. Let's go in the woods. Exactly. Yeah, you know, let me let me make my uh, I'll make my cell phone into a horseshoe. <laughs> so show, show you some real reception out here. <laughs> exactly. Let me show you. Uh, all right. Final question. Um, at, at the end of life, when we uh, when we all end up in the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad with the Book of Our Deeds is waiting at the gate for us, um, what would you like him to say to you? Uh, Frank. Why can't you make the protection over time longer? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that you that that uh, that that Toad is a Kingdom of Knights player and immediately comes to you with a problem. That's <laughs> yes. Well, I like the fact Toad is up there. Well done. <laughs> I, I really like that answer. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if you could just uh, send us out. Uh, well, first, thank you for, for being on. Really enjoyed our chat. Uh, if you could just send us out by telling our listeners where they can, uh, what platforms, uh, and when they'll be able to get their hands on uh, Kingdoms of Knights, and where that they can go to back your game. Sure. Um, so it's going to be released on PC, Mac, and Linux operating systems. We want to support the big three. We want everybody to have a chance to play this. Um, we're hoping to have a private beta out by Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. Um, where you could back us, you could visit our Facebook, facebook.com, Kingdom of Knights. You could go to our website, kingdomofnights.com. Uh, both have uh, Kickstarter links, or you could go to Steam uh, and go to the green light section and check out the concept area and check us out there. And there's also a link to our Kickstarter. 
All right, awesome. Well, uh, just once again, thank you guys for joining us. I hope everything goes grand. Uh, good luck with Kingdom of Knights, and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Jonathan, Brian. Thank you very much, man. Thank you.